You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Bulldog Hour. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mays, and sitting next to me is my co-host, Justin Raffoff. Yeah, it's uh, good to be back. And yeah. ended well. The weekend was a positive note. I was going to say ended on a positive note, but no, Friday night's not the end of the weekend. So. No, it's just the beginning, as right. everyone is very thankful for. But yes, Friday positive. Saturday. Positive. Football Sunday for us, not very good. No, less than ideal yes. on Sunday. But, but I, I said it to you. Yes. I would have signed up for this in a heartbeat on Friday afternoon if you would have told me that the team I, I pull for on on Friday night would win and the team I would pull for on uh, Saturday night would win. With in, you there. In exchange, right. In exchange for... A loss that I kind of expected for the Eagles today. Yeah, I it's a little easier for me to take that I think than you. Our teams have different expectations this year. We we've gone down that story on our other show. Yeah, but um, but right. also there there's another big win on Friday night, and I we want to get this in real quick. But yeah, uh, Columbia beat Lancaster Catholic. On, yeah, lots on, of uh, offense just, yeah. or no defense to be sound to right. be found. Right. What was it? Sixty very, very, to forty one. Yeah. That's a lot. And uh, a lot. Robert Robert Footman, I think, leads the LL League. Um, it through three games. Well, I guess it, four games through four games. I think he has like thirteen touchdowns and wow. like over twelve hundred yards. Yeah, like that. good for uh, the yeah. roll tide. <laughs> yeah, this uh, high school roll tide, local yes, roll yeah. tide. Um, Sorry, I had to get that in. But yeah, Friday night was great. Saturday night was great. Sunday. Today is forgettable, except well, for being on this except show. Except we're going to go back and talk about Friday. We're, we're so going we back go. in time. Yep, we're going to revisit Friday night. And, you know, we were back at Gursky Stadium for the first time in a few weeks. And, you know, opened up the season against Central Dolphin there, but then on went on the road in Berks County two weeks in a row, returned home. And I don't know if we've mentioned this on air. I know I've mentioned it to a variety of people, though. That Wilson's not leaving Berks until October. Yeah, I know. We've <laughs> talked about it a bunch because... We plan out like a road. Oh, yeah, our who's road driving trips. where and when? And, and when we're stopping for food? Yeah, where are we stopping for food? Who's meeting us there? You know, um, but yeah, Wilson doesn't leave Berks County until October first, which uh, is now rapidly approaching. It's less than and two which, weeks away. That's crazy because, well, just to think about how that works out, you know, the season starts essentially. There's, well, it well it didn't work out that way this year but like you know you start in august mm -hmm. so august to think and, that and, and the scrimmage was home yeah so in august they didn't leave the county in september they didn't leave the county <laughs> but now once league play starts you kind of have no choice yes. but to right because as of, of this year we are the only <laughs> burks, burks team in lld that changes next year it does but we're not looking at 2022 yet we got plenty of 2021 to go however we're almost halfway 
Yeah. <laughs> like this I is know. game five. This week. I, I was intentionally not trying five. to jump up on right. like, like I did last week. Yeah. And so, got yelled at for. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, I gotta let you know. We're not we're put not me, doing put that. Put me either. in my place. That's right. Yes. So fantastic football Friday, stupendous football Saturday, bad football Sunday. But yeah. let's talk about uh Friday, because Friday was good. Um but I, I guess, you know, before we do that, let's do our normal our normal stuff, the the housekeeping. The Bulldog Hour is presented by May's Sandwich Shop. We appreciate the support from my dad and the business, but they're not the only ones. We also want to thank CNS Supply Company, Andy Herr, and Marty Palm, and our three anonymous donors. And there's multiple ways that you can help us out here at the Bulldog Hour. In addition to sponsorships, advertising, those in-kind donations, make sure you visit bulldoghour.com. And over the last uh, week or so, I've been working on it in the evenings during my spare time, and I've gotten a few additions to the history and heritage section put up there. Specifically, I went through and was able to complete the season recap of the 1985 team, and why that's important we'll talk about it here in just a few moments. But one of the other big reasons or big ways to help us here is Justin's favorite. Yeah, like and share. Um, when you see stuff you like or, you know you think someone else might like then spread spread the word and also like um i know this has come up on the last few shows about uh looking into some of that history like you said bulldoghour.com is the place to go if if you're looking for information on past bulldog teams um just because i i know it's not all there but not there's yet. there's more there than anywhere else yeah so if you're looking for information that's the place. To There's go. a lot of information in the Wilson Football Tradition Club stats yes, book yes. that um, started by, with Rich Romick and uh, has been continued by Coach Dom's, and that comes out every year. And those are available for free to Tradition Club members, or I think five dollars for non-members. There's a lot of good information there, but it's not also not fully complete. There's not. I mean, obviously, because it would be really thick. There's not a season-by-season recaps. There's not game results for every single game that Wilson has played, and that's what I'm working on on BulldogHour.com because it's a lot easier to put that stuff online than in print. So a lot of seasons are done. If you're a member of a a team in Wilson's past, definitely want to check that out at BulldogHour.com. We'll be back in a week's time next Sunday, September 26th, to talk about Game 5 and preview Game Six. Wow. Game five. Right. And Friday night was a big one, not just because Wilson was returning to Gursky for the first time in a few weeks, but there were a lot of events going on. And one of the, uh, one of the ones that is viewed to be the most fun is youth night. I know the players, especially the past players let you know how important it is to hang out with the kids. That's kind of the, uh, the beginning of the flag football camp that's done for the real little kids. Youth night is also a way to check out Lincoln Park, Van Reed, West and Southern middle school teams. They all wear their jerseys and they all line the field. And it's one of the, uh, one of the cool events that I know everyone really has a, a really fun time and appreciate all the people taking pictures and video and tagging the Wilson football accounts in them. I was able to get some pictures as well. And you can check out my full photo album. I have a link uh, on the social media sites, you could check that out and take a look at everything. But another successful youth night prior to the game against Martin Luther King. So that was pregame. During the game, 
at halftime, the Wilson Football Tradition Club welcomed back three championship teams to Gursky to honor anniversaries that they were celebrating of their uh, their titles. And of course, because of COVID, we missed out doing this last year, so we kind of grouped a few uh, teams together this year. And we welcome back players and coaches from the 1985, 1990, and 1996 championship teams. 85 and 96 won Lancaster Lebanon League Section 1, and 1990 won District 3. And they're actually the only team, I believe, in Wilson history that didn't win the league but won a district title. And that's an interesting team. That's a team that is on BulldogHour.com. You can read all about that. They lost to McCaskey during the regular season, but smoked them in the playoffs to get a little bit of uh, revenge. That, that topic has come up a number of times but with us, like, talking about it. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Would you rather right. win the regular season but lose the playoff, or would you rather, Yeah. You know, it's usually a pretty easy decision It's a pretty easy decision, for uh, us, a pretty easy decision I think. But the 1990 team came out in force. A lot of those guys came back, and it was great to see everyone. Um, probably the biggest name that came back was former coach Jerry Slemmer. Dr. Jerry Slemmer in the house came back. He was on the Mike Drago Sports Podcast this past week. Uh, sat down with Mike for over an hour. So if anyone hasn't listened to that or wants to listen to that, check out uh, MikeDragoSports.com. The podcast is completely free. You do not be, need to be a subscriber to download or listen to that. And Coach Jerry Slemmer talked with Mike about a variety of topics. Uh, obviously, Wilson football was at the forefront of that discussion. But he was there um, to hang out with uh, three of the teams that he coached to championships. And I believe his 1985 team was the first league championship that he won as head coach. So it was really fun to have him back. And there were many, many other uh, coaches back as as well. Uh, Dan Zucanic was back. Bill Morgan was back. Bill Hawes was back. I uh, feel like I'm going to forget some. Oh, uh, Coach Cavell was there. Paul Cavell was back. Uh, yeah, so it was a lot of fun to see many of those people and I do want to thank the uh, Wilson Football Tradition Club, uh, the active members, Bear Aiello, Hallie Vaughn, uh, Trevor Vaughn, and my dad, Bill Mays. They did a, a great job setting that up and running it while I was running around crazy before, during, and uh, at halftime trying to get pictures and everything. So they did a great job at the tent, and I appreciate all of them and everything they've done to make sure this event runs smooth, smoothly and to fundraise so that we can pay for everything that we have to set up for the event. So again, thank you to Barry, Hallie, Trevor, and my dad for their efforts to bring back these championship teams. And obviously, we're already thinking about next year, and that one is of particular interest to me because there's a 20-year a milestone coming up that I think it's time to recognize uh a team that I was a part of. So you're getting old. <laughs> you don't have to remind me of that. We all know it. We all know it. So, all right, Justin, here it is. Your favorite slide. Yeah, the schedule. The schedule. There it is. And it's crazy. It we is are crazy. quickly approaching the bottom of that first column. So we are previewing that second to last game in the first column this Friday, Manheim Central at Gursky. We will talk about them, the Barons, at the end of the show, but they are off to a hot start. And after the way things went down last year on Halloween, I think they're going to be um, ready to come to West Lawn to battle with the Bulldogs. So we will talk about them very, very soon. But let's talk about Wilson's victory over the Martin Luther King Golden Cougars coming to us from Philadelphia. And... You know, I had a couple of people say to me that they found it very funny the way we 
didn't talk about MLK last week because we didn't have anything to say, and we were very honest about that, that there was very little to no information about MLK right. out it's, there. It's not as if we had information and just didn't want to present it. We we presented all the information we had, which was very limited information about their game with Chester. Um, and that was pretty much it. Um, you know, it was interesting. I know, like, the, the scheduling thing can get crazy. Um, and we, we've talked about that, especially in years past, where, where that has become an issue. Um, but it, it was interesting, you know, that's a hike. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's a long ride on a bus. Not a fun ride on a bus. No. Um, you know, when they got out. there, I don't know if they got there later, but their warm-ups yeah. were going for a while. And right. then Wilson's off the field and they're just stretching. Right. And the, it's time for the band to do the pregame performance. And I feel we like got to shuffle them off right. to a Bulldog field to finish their warm-ups. And, uh, you know, things just didn't start great for them before the game even started. Right. And then once the game started, things got even worse for the Cougars. Right. Yeah. And so it, it you know, it, it kind of is what it is. But, um, I, you know, from the from the Wilson standpoint, w- last week we kind of just talked about, you know what, it's a game where, all right, if we have limited limited information going in, um, maybe, maybe that wasn't the worst-case scenario. Obviously, you don't want to be caught off guard. But at the same time, it was a chance to just focus on the things that we need to do. Um, and and try your best to just kind of control those things and then let that be enough. And it was, you know, which, which is, which is great because when you can just handle your business, things will work out. Now it won't always work out the way it worked out on Friday night where it was just a clear, decisive, large victory, but you know, it, it, it's fun when it does work out that way. So, um, you know, it, it was, it was good to see. It was fun to see the kids seemingly have fun again, you know, just kind of get out there and, and um, get that bad taste out of their mouth in the last few weeks. Yeah, and things started out good for Wilson entering the game pregame, getting back quarterback Brad Hoffman and wide receiver linebacker TJ Flight returned after um, missing the Exeter game last week with injuries. Now, there were still many Wilson players that were out with um, with injuries or unable to play for other reasons, but they were confident in the game plan and it worked out to a T. I mean, you can't really complain about a 50 to eight victory, both offense, defense, special teams, all getting the job done throughout the evening. Here you're going to see the defensive touchdown scored by Nate Capitano. Yeah, Big play, big play there by Gannon Brubaker to knock that ball loose. Yep. He was right there. He was flying all over the place at safety on on Friday and, night, and he did. He caught he caught up with me near the end of the game, and then was reminiscing about a missed opportunity for what he thought <laughs> would be a pick six. So, never mind that final. I don't know why the final score is never right in these recaps, but those statistics tell a story. And while they're not exactly perfect on that huddle recap, there, let's take a look at some of these because they are eye opening. Yeah. Throughout the game. Sometimes the statistics don't tell the whole story. I'm pretty uh, sure they, this they one pretty does. Much do yeah, here, I think so. this one does. So MLK had two first downs throughout the entire game. And I honestly I think they both came by penalty. I don't well, I think know. one was by penalty, and then I think they got credit. I, I think they got credit for one on the muff punt. Okay. 
I, I don't know that for sure. Well, two, two, two first downs in a game is not going to do right, right, right. much for I, you. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I see it there. I, I have that wrong then, obviously. Um, Wilson had 19 net yards rushing. Wilson, yeah. 214. MLK, minus 33. Now, a lot of those came because of sacks, I believe. Right. Wilson sacked the Cougars quarterbacks five times, yeah. resulting in a massive and I know there was at least yard, one yardage. like really long, large sack. So, like, you know, they... It was one where the first guy didn't get the quarterback down, but he kind of kept trying to run. So they threw for a total of 38 yards. So when you put those together, their total offensive yards were five. Right. Now, I don't have individual game statistics <laughs> dating back, you know, to 1945, but I got to think that giving up a grand total of five yards to an opposing offense has to be up there. I know there's been games where we've had it under a hundred, but having it close to zero, that's insane. That's yeah, that's pretty crazy. So uh, I know Wilson's Wilson's known for their defense. So there's probably been games similar to this in the past, but yeah, five yards given up uh, just uh, complete domination by, the Wilson defense for almost the entire game. You know, they had two interceptions. They, they forced uh, at least one fumble and returned that. They forced uh, two fumbles. MLK only lost one, but that one was returned by Nate Capitano for the touchdown. So yeah, a pretty good uh, showing. It was, uh, it was all around team effort. Yeah, It was a good team effort. Yeah. um, Defensively, they have four guys with two solo tackles. A whole bunch of guys was con- contributing a single tackle. Lots of assists. Plenty of tackles for loss. They had nine and a half or ten. ten they had ten tackles for loss. They had two forced fumbles, a f- the fumble recovery, two interceptions, two pass breakups, and they had five total sacks with Flight, Fackler, uh, Jackson Wagner, Nick Weitzel contributing one, and then Dominic Memo and Brendan Hopp contributing a half sack each for them. So uh, a total team effort on defense and, and a lot can be said about the offense too, in similar fashion. A lot of guys were contributing on the offensive side of the ball as well. Brad Hoffman had his, his best game through the air as quarterback for Wilson, completing nine of 16 attempts for 172 yards and three scores. Um, three of those uh, balls were caught by Cam Jones for 72 yards and a touchdown. TJ had, TJ Flight had two for 60 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Edison Case had his only catch of the game go for a 13-yard touchdown. And Spencer Tanga also two receptions for 18 yards. So spreading the ball around, using multiple guys out of the backfield as well. The the main ball carrier was Jason Beckford, the senior. He got 14 carries for 89 yards. Um, didn't lose any. Actually, all of the backs didn't lose any yards rushing. Everything went for positive gain. Jason had a touchdown run as well. Amir Wellmacher and Spencer Tanga, Cam Jones, and then also Brad Hoffman all carrying the ball a few times for the Bulldogs with Cam Jones and Brad Hoffman also scoring with their legs. So all around team effort, special team getting the job done as well. Constantly in the backfield harassing the punter from Martin Luther King. Uh, I know, I believe there were two blocked or partially blocked punts one of them was by Brady Klein, which I think resulted, their first two punts. Yeah, I think both. Yeah, I think you're right. I just I can't rem- recall who got a piece of the yeah, first. Yeah, it was punt. hard to tell because a lot of people got close. Yeah, <laughs> like, and the, the second one was definitely Brady Klein, the freshman. 
he I, I got a slightly blurry picture of him getting his hand on that one. But I believe both resulted in scores. Wilson went up, you know, 23 nothing by the end of the first quarter uh, with those final two points coming on a safety on another punt. Yeah. Um, that one was credited to Landon Farrell. But again, there were, I think, three Bulldogs in there to attempt to block the punt and make some force MLK to make mistakes in the special teams game, which which did happen. So, I mean, there were there were some moments that you're just left scratching your head or shaking your head. You know, in the second quarter, Wilson struggled at the beginning of that to to get things going and to attempt to put MLK away before halftime, you know, penalties, um, just mistakes. And that can't happen, especially when you're playing a good team, which Wilson played the first three weeks of the season, and you're going to see this week. MLK wasn't uh, up to the caliber of the other teams, and Wilson was able to do pretty much whatever they wanted throughout the game. Obviously, when the score's 50 to nothing with just a few minutes to play in the game, there aren't a lot of negatives to point out, but we know that the coaching staff wants them to focus on those mistakes, especially ones that popped up in the second quarter. Yeah, and uh, you know, we, we talked to the players, and they, they kind of referenced some of that idea of focus and just kind of resetting. Um, we'll let, we'll let them talk about it in the interviews, but that is, uh, it's one of, one of the things that, that came across and, and you could see it at times. I don't, in the second quarter, you know, I, I think, and we, we've seen this before in other seasons as well, where, uh, sometimes maybe like subconsciously it just becomes like that, that sense of urgency kind of starts to disappear a little bit when uh when it it starts to feel like the outcome is already determined and the issue with that is it's still really early there's still a lot of football left and you know probably probably you know it was a three score game at that point still you know it wasn't like it was second half running clock and everything is decided you know while while it felt like it was decided there was still a long way to get to that point so you know, that's something you just have to try and fight fight that urge to kind of let up a little bit. Um, and it, and it's not like that you, you think like, oh, we don't have to play hard. It's just, you know, a slight lack of focus maybe here or there leads to some of those uh, self-inflected penalties and, and stuff like that. Right. There are a variety of ways where we could go with our player of the game. And we actually, we were, we were so deep into the talk with Paul Roberts last week, recapping the Exeter game and previewing Martin Luther King that we completely blew past and forgot to do player of the game. So I did want to mention that our player of the game for last week for the, uh, the loss at Exeter was Ryan McMillan. He was the the big bright spot at the beginning of the game, uh, catching a nice Nice fourth down pass from Gannon Brubaker and converting that into a score. And then on the next Exeter series, while playing defense for the Bulldogs, McMillan uh, picked up uh, the ball and, and scored to extend Wilson's lead to 14 nothing. So both of Wilson's scores coming via sophomore Ryan McMillan. So he was the Bulldog Hour player of the game in week three. But here after week four, we're going to go with someone who uh, – Probably could have been player of the game already this year, but we went in a different direction. But here he is popping up this week. Junior wide receiver defensive back Cam Jones contributed two scores and was, once again, very solid in the defensive backfield. Uh, Four rushes, 26 yards and a score. Three catches, 72 yards and a touchdown, and then the pass breakup. But um, he was an important part of the Wilson offense and defense. And after uh, his contributions in the first month of the season 
it's uh, without a doubt that he deserves to be a player of the game somewhere in here. And uh, we gave it to him this week after the victory against Martin Luther King. Yeah, he's kind of been all over the place, uh, but, you know, he he stepped up in, in a role, you know, a, a little heavier of an offensive role um, and, you know, came through big. And uh, that's what we needed. We needed guys to step up, and uh, Cam certainly did that on Friday. Yeah, so following the victory against Martin Luther King, Justin and I pulled aside four Wilson Bulldog players to discuss how they felt after the victory against MLK. Among them was Cam Jones, and we'll talk to him and three other Bulldogs right now. All right, we're post-game after Wilson's victory over Martin Luther King here with four of our Wilson football players. Guys, how good did that one feel? Really good. Really awesome. Now, we heard from the coaches, Coach Doms in particular, that this was a particularly grueling week of practice. What were you guys doing differently uh, after the past two defeats that you suffered? Were you refocused? Was there a higher intensity? What was practice like this last week? Yeah, both of those definitely. Uh, coaches were more honest about like messing up, like missing the assignment block, like dropping the passes, like making it up downs and stuff that we don't like doing, but obviously we're messing up, so we had no choice but to. Definitely a lot more conditioning when it came with it. Uh, and definitely we ran a lot more than usual. But also during the practice, we would run more you know, between sets and everything like that. Practice was a lot more intense. Everything was live. It was full contact defense. It was definitely different. We just took practice differently this week. If we wanted to, we wanted to make a statement this game, we had to come different. So, Jason, you got to step up into a big role this week. Uh, you delivered in a big way. 14 carries, 89 yards, and a touchdown. How did it feel to be the uh, lead guy in the backfield this week? Uh, everyone told me, you were like, this is your time. You got you to gotta do what you do. And I was like, you know, I'll be out there. So I had to, I had to put on. <laughs> How did it feel to get in the end zone? Oh, nice. I needed one. And you got it. Uh, part of a big scoring effort from you guys. It wasn't just offensively, though. We had a defensive touchdown. Did you learn that from your brother? Uh, are you better at that than your brother? I mean, to be honest, after that run, I would say I'm a better runner than him. Uh, <laughs> for the most part. I like that. I, like that. <laughs> uh, I got to give it to Gannon, though, for him hitting the ball out of the guy's arms. I had a, I was scrambling for it. It took me about three tries to pick it up, and I was running. I was almost positive the ref was going to tackle me at one point. <laughs> so I started running, and that's when I got in the end zone. So it was definitely a fun event. Yeah, everyone will focus on the 50 points. When you light up the scoreboard like that, you're going to win some games. But holding them for almost the entire game to nothing and then scoring defensively also an extra uh, or amazing effort you mentioned Gannon uh, I know uh, he contributed he popped that ball out for you and you took it to the house but then I believe just earlier he deflected a yeah, ball that he Gannon. thought he should have and it landed in your hands Gannon, yeah Gannon made a great play on the ball he just didn't catch it and it went like right in my hand so it's definitely like Half credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> he, he asked if I got that one. I said, I'm sorry, I think I missed it. And he mentioned that it was the one that you got. And I said, you know what, I might have gotten that one. So, Cam, uh, talk about your um, offensive game plan this week. Was one of the points of emphasis to get you the ball in your hands more? Well, it was just more of, like, everyone coming together this week. Like, our line being in it more, like, them firing off the ball, which kind of opened up holes for me and the other backs as well. That's how Jason had a really nice game running. Uh, it was more like Jason do the kind of the dirty work, him being inside a little bit. Me, it was more like, a little bit outside. TJ, me, it was me and TJ this week at practice being like, outside catches and pitches and stuff like that. We working them. Yeah, you guys were able to get a few people back this week, so it must have felt good to have Brad Hoffman and TJ Flight 
who uh, was running like a madman on that uh, early second half touchdown, <laughs> yeah. outrunning people and then running people over. So contributions from everyone on the team, um, which is the best way to win games. So congratulations, guys, on the victory, even in your record. And now you've got a big showdown next week. Last Don League game with the Mannheim Central Barons. And we know after last year they're going to be ready to go. And they've been on a roll so far this season. But congratulations again. We'll be ready. We'll be ready. Yeah, we're going to be ready. Sure. We'll be ready. Perfect. And hopefully we'll get to talk to a few of you again next week. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So that was our interview with the victorious Wilson football players following the game against Martin Luther King. And, again, I mean, we have more to say about MLK this week than we did last week. But, you know, it's it, it's tough to find any silver linings for the Cougars they were a little bit un, it, I don't want to say unprepared because I don't know the way they were. They just seemed they just seemed a little bit out of it. Yeah, they seemed a little overwhelmed, and I, I think things kind of snowballed for them pretty quickly. You know, with with the game getting off to the start that it did, I think it just. Yeah, I talked about how with with Wilson, you know, kind of maybe losing that sense of urgency because of you know at the end of the first quarter, it seemed fairly clear how, how this game was going to go. Um, and that, that may have happened on that side too, you know, again, needing that focus on every play. It, it's easy to say it's hard to do, and it's hard to do at any level, let alone at the high school level. Um, so, you know, that, that might've contributed some to it as well. I, I saw after the game, coach Dom's talking to their coach yeah, I believe for, for a name, long time after the game. Um, like his name was, I want, I don't, it was Malik. I want to say Cooper, but I'm not sure that's right. But coach Dom's did talk with the Martin right. Luther King head coach for a while right. after the game. Uh, the, I don't pretend to know much about the Philly public league or much about district 12 right. at all. I did find it humorous of all the comments I was getting on my photos, not from, MLK at us right. from other Philly public school players and fans oh. congratulating us for knocking Martin Luther King down like that. I don't know how much of a rivalry there is with those teams, oh. but there were there were there are Cougar players or fans and other Philly public league players and fans going at it in the comments on the Wilson Bulldog <laughs> posts. Um, you know, I'm gonna stay out of it. Just maybe. Could keep things under control so that we don't have to get right. moderators involved. Because um, it was just interesting every time I get a notification from the few counts going at each other in the comments. And, and something you have no that idea. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know much about only. So <laughs> it was uh, it was something. It was interesting. But I did talk to the coaches pregame, during the game, after the game, about Martin Luther King, and they said they have a lot of talented players. They said yeah. their wide receivers especially are very good. The problem was they weren't able to protect the quarterbacks enough right. to get the right. balls into their receivers' hands. Wilson was relentless in forcing pressure and mistakes. Um, there were also a variety and of uh, mistakes, you know, self-inflicted mistakes by MLK, pre-snap right. delay of game things like that they just couldn't get into right. um you know they couldn't get any momentum yeah and you know credit credit to the the wilson defense for kind of setting up that scenario um you know we mentioned there was relentless pressure uh but then there were instances for example where you know they make a pass and gannon was there 
like flying across the limit on that pick. Like he came out of nowhere on that. And I know he didn't get the pick, but he deflected the ball and it got picked off. Like, you know, one of those things where like he, or on, and we saw it on the highlights um, when he came through and, you know, had the big hit after the reception to knock the ball loose. Like, so things like that, you know, when, when they were able to get something that would seemingly be a, a positive going, Wilson was there to kind of quickly turn it around. No complaints. From yeah, us. no, I'll take it. I'll yeah, take we'll it. We'll take all of that. Right. And it was, it was one of those where I was like, all right, you know, I'm, it, it just felt good to have a game like that. Like, yeah, I am, oh, I, sure. you know, I, I feel bad. I know this is, you don't have to, you know, they're, everybody's, you know, they're big kids, but like, I feel bad in a sense, you know, for MLK, just cause like, I don't know that they really knew what they were getting into either, you know, just trying to fill their schedule and, and things like that. And I, and I credit them. We've talked about this, you and I, like yeah. that, that would have been an easy game to be like, yeah, we're not coming yeah. after, oh, after, yeah. because we had agreed to a home and oh, home. Yeah. And we so like, we were going to go there. And so when we can't go there, like it would be very easy for them to just be like, yeah, we're not coming because that's not going to affect their schedule moving forward at all. No. Like they don't have to worry about well, a, a strained relationship with us right. or something. Like but that. I'm also sure it helps—not helps, but you know what I'm saying. Yes. They already had their first three games, if you include the scrimmage, canceled. Oh, right. Like postponed, right. canceled, eliminated. Right. They only got to play last or a week plus ago against Chester, and then against us. I doubt they would want to cancel on us just because they don't want to make the trip. Right. Exactly. They've they want to play. They've been play playing. The game. They want to play. So I, I give them credit for right. Oh, seeing it through. All the credit and in the world. That's to, tough. To them. But like you know, they didn't quit. They keep going, and I wish them nothing but success in there as they probably get ready for league play. Like, well, and who knows? Maybe Coach Downs was saying, "Do you want to? Do we want to do another two-year th- deal? Do we?" Right. Know? I don't right. know. This is me just right. guessing. Right. That That's us. Maybe that came up in the, in conversation after, afterwards. Right. Because Wilson needs um, three, four non-league games. They're right. Comp- right now, all four are open. We said we assume Central Dolphin will take one of those, but we know we need three more. Right, um, and we that have, and that doesn't count. Or I Mifflin. Guess, I'm sorry, I guess we need two more because we do uh-huh. have six league games, Mifflin and Mifflin. So we have three total. Dolphin takes one, so we still have two open spots. Right, if right. Central Dolphin signs up, we have two left. Maybe MLK does want to do a two year thing, and they want us to come down next year. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Right, you got to play games, and there's right. plenty of teams that have told us thanks, but no thanks. Right. <laughs> So. Right. So say what you want about a team coming out to play us and and maybe being overmatched um in the, on that that particular Friday night. But yeah, like like we've said and like it has come up when we've been trying to find teams to schedule, they say no. We like we've had teams that would rather not that would rather keep their schedule open than to schedule our right. us on that on that Friday night. So credit to them for seeing it through. Um and I hope they can kind of, you know, keep getting better each week. So a team we won't see on the schedule next year is man. I'm central as we wind down this four year series that was mandated by the Lancaster Lebanon league, this crossover event between section one and section two, that's going by the wayside, at least as dictated by the league starting next year, coinciding with the Burks lead merging with the LL league. So no more cross mandated crossover games. The way the schedule's set up, they essentially give you a kind of a, a tap on the shoulder or a wink 
be like, hey, you and Section 2 have buys the same week, so maybe you schedule the team that has a buy, and that's what we're doing. We're scheduling Mifflin Week 6. Works out that way. They were already a team we were going to add to the schedule anyways. It'll just put them at an odd place in the schedule because they're either first or last for the last 40 or 50 years, I think. Well, so or second. Weird. Well, that's true. Yeah, week zero. Throw that. Throw a wrench in there uh, of just a few weeks back. They or got or a two. year where we weren't the same. Well, we were, the they two. were our first game, but we were their second game. <laughs> right, yeah. 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 So just wacky, wacky stuff. But Man, I'm Central, I would think, not going to appear on the Wilson schedule next year. But they're there this year. Week five, we get to host. So the Barons are coming to... West Lawn didn't go their way two years ago when that happened during the 2019 season. Wilson was ready for that game, winning big. I I want to say it was 41-14 or yeah, something like was, that. It was a it was a big victory for the Bulldogs, yeah. who were I think really really upset with the way things went down in 2018 down in Mannheim, where Wilson was winning for the large portion of that game. Even I believe at the start of the fourth quarter, I think Wilson lost the lead on, lead on the first play of the fourth quarter down in Mannheim, eventually losing that game in 2018, 20 to 10. So Not to the leak. That was the night we had the lights turned off while we were eating pizza in the parking lot, wasn't it? Not the <laughs> parking lot of the stadium, but weren't we in the parking lot of that restaurant and they turned the lights off? Was that there? Okay. Yeah, I think I, so. You have a better memory than I do about that. I, anything that happens after a loss just kind of becomes. <laughs> But, yeah, Mannheim Central to Wilson this coming Friday night. Wilson went to Mannheim last year for the last away game in this uh, back-to-back-to-back-to-back games against the Barons and won on Halloween in in pretty convincing fashion. Wilson rushed out to a huge league, I believe scored on the first, what, like three or four times they touched the ball. There were yeah. just a few plays, and we were up 21 nothing, and then I think 28-7. Uh, it just kind of uh, steamrolled and snowballed. Right. Um, and it was an interesting environment to be in last year because, well, one, we're still under the COVID restrictions. The limited attendance was not happy with Manheim Central nor the officials. The officiating in that game was – on par with what we saw at Happy Valley last night. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Wilson won. But that was them just, you know, painting the picture of the most recent games in the series. Um, yeah, Wilson. There were, there were a bunch of weird. It, the environments were just so weird last year because, like, you could hear anything and everything, you know. Right, because like, the crowds were so limited. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it, it was an interesting, interesting game. You know, it was delayed from Friday to Saturday. Got to play on Halloween, you know, mid mid morning or late morning, whenever it was. So that's uh that's where we're at with them, and I believe I'm gonna double check in one of my stat books here. I I just want to see. I think we lead the series against Manheim Central. Yes, we lead the series against Manheim Central eight to four, with uh the most recent victory being Wilson's last year. In Mannheim. So this is the 13th ever meeting between Wilson and Mannheim Central. But the Barons are going to come in kind of like we did uh, two years ago after we were really upset with the way things went in 2018. I think Mannheim Central is going to be pretty upset with the way things went last year. Well, and they're rolling. Yeah. They're rolling. Uh, you know, we've, we've 
been well documented on the show, the ups and downs of our season so far. But uh, Mannheim's had lots of ups this season so far. Yeah, so they've played four games. They first, well, they scrimmaged Mannheim Township. Then they played the next Saturday morning because of the rain against Cumberland Valley and just smoked Cumberland Valley 35-7 to in a great uh, offensive passing effort and the Barons' defensive effort top-notch. Then next week in Mannheim, the Barons welcomed in Hempfield, who just beat Exeter last night, or excuse me, Friday night, 17-14. to Mannheim Central in week two beat Hempfield 14 to nothing, shutting out the Black Knights. Then they went on the road in back-to-back weeks, destroying Susquehanna Township 60 to nothing before eking and squeaking one out just two nights ago against Perkyoman Valley at Perkyoman Valley, 43 to 40. So an mm. offensive showcase there. It sounded like a wacky game, too. The first opponent to really be able to put up points. Well, Perk Valley was undefeated going into on, that game, too, I think. No, they were not. Oh, they weren't? No, they lost to Coatesville. Oh, okay. okay. 27 to 35 in week two. Oh, okay. So Perkyoman Valley was given Manheim Central all they could handle, but Manheim Central eventually in the, like you said, wacky back, back and forth game, came out on top 43 to 40 on the road. And Mannheim Central on the road for a third week in a row coming to West Lawn. So what else do we know about Mannheim Central? Well, their coach for the seventh year for, by Dave Hahn, who's been on the staff at Mannheim Central for 27 years. He's compiled a 60-15 and 15 record as head coach of Mannheim Central. They were 3-5 and five last year. It was their first losing season in decades, I think, since... Was it the late 80s or early 90s, maybe? Or that could have been suffering back-to-back loss. Yeah. I forget. They, I mean, they're very similar to us. Any yeah. of these weird losing statistics, whether it's back-to-back games, having a losing record at this point in the season, having a losing season, it didn't happen often in Mannheim. So Mannheim Central coming off of a weird year themselves, 3-5 and five in the COVID uh, year in 2020. Um but they have a lot back. They only lost not even a full handful of guys on offense or defense. They returned nine offensive starters, seven defensive star- starters, um, with their biggest being their quarterback and wide receiver duo and Judd Novak and Owen Sensenig, who is getting D1 looks. And I expect Novak to probably play somewhere as well. I just don't know if it'll be at the D1 level. But Owen is the only uh, solid wide receiver they have Junior Brady Harbach is also a big threat, and they seem to have a nice duo in the backfield again in underclassmen Rocco Darty and Jaden White. So I think the biggest thing impacting the game, as is a football cliche, is in the trenches, and we'll see what Manheim Central trots out there, but I believe a bunch of big underclassmen are what we're going to see, although one of their senior offensive linemen does tip the scales at a a solid 6-3-325. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of beef up front for Mannheim Central, um, all 225 or bigger. And uh, a lot of those guys do go both ways, including Owen Sensenig and Rocco Daugherty. But, I mean, they have a solid crew. You know, they were a little bit overwhelmed last year. A lot of newcomers, they were hit hard by graduation. But all those guys were, you know, trial by fire throughout the season. They're battle tested and now they're come they've come to play this season 
and now they face adversity after last week at Perkiom Valley. And like like we said to start this Manheim Central preview, after the way um, things went against Wilson last year at their home place, I think they want to return the favor and put a little bit of a licking on the Bulldogs. Yeah, and you add into that that this could be the last time the team see each other for the foreseeable future. Right. Um, yeah, uh, definitely, definitely is going to be, there's going to be no lack of motivation uh, for Mannheim in this one. Not that they need it, but you know what I mean? Like there's there's plenty of things to add a little extra fuel to the fire. They also have a strong special teams component. Their kicking is top notch, and they actually have two very good kickers that will rotate um, play, uh, point after touchdown placements, field goals, and kickoffs, which they're very good at getting into the end zone. So don't expect too many return opportunities, at least in the kickoff game. Um, you know, we already mentioned that they started 4 0, but I fully expect them to completely steamroll their way through section two of the LL. They start league play next week against Warwick who lost to Penn Manor this yeah. past week. Um, then they have, they're at Solanco at Conestoga Valley before finishing back-to-back home games against Elizabethtown and Cocalico. Uh, I, I guess Cocalico is probably the biggest one standing in their way, but Cocalico is not as strong as they had been over the last few years either. And if Manheim Central plays like they did the first four weeks, I'd expect their last five to go pretty well for them. So um, we may or may not be their biggest test last, left on their, their regular season schedule. I mean, hopefully we are. I would like to make it a, a point that yes. they uh, remember playing Wilson this year. Yeah, that would that would be good. So, yeah, I don't I don't know. Do you have anything else to to add about Mannheim Central? Um, no, I mean, you know, it's going to be a big game like for a non-league game between two teams in the league. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's definitely one of those where like, there's nothing, uh, there's nothing like hidden here. Like both teams, like they know, I wouldn't go as far to call it a rivalry just cause like, just because it's a big game doesn't mean it's a rivalry. You know right. what I mean? Um, but like, it's definitely one of those games that, that gets marked on a lot of calendars, you know, from year to year. And, so you know they're going to want to have their shot at, at Wilson, L- like everyone does, but they're going to want to have their shot. And, you know, when they're sitting there at 4-0 and some of the scores they've put up, like they're definitely going to uh, they're definitely gonna be ready to maybe write what they perceive as wrongs, yeah. <laughs> you know, the last couple of years. So I did find some information courtesy of Lancaster newspapers, Jeff Reiner, who always does a fantastic job covering the Lancaster Lebanon League teams, and he has some information on Manheim Central. So last year when they went 3-5, and five, it was the Barons' first losing season since 1971. And it was also the first time they lost four games in a row since 1977. Interesting that those don't coincide. Yeah, that they had lost four games in a row in 1977, but still finished with a a winning record. Uh, like Wilson, Mannheim Central did miss the District Three playoffs last year, and for Mannheim Central, it was the first time in nearly three decades, 29 years, the last time Mannheim Central didn't make the District Three playoffs. And the District Three playoffs, I believe, began in 1982, so they might have made it every year since the second year. I think. Does that make sense? Sounds Is that right? right. Something like that. Right. Um, I, I don't, I'm not sure. 
Um, now I guess they're I guess they're pushing forty years, so that would have been sometimes in in the nineties. I guess they're streaked back to the nineteen nineties. For some reason, my brain always thinks that it's like twenty eleven instead of twenty twenty one. Yeah, it's yeah. like a decade that I feel lost somehow. I don't know. Um, but it's yeah, because we're getting old. To wrap to wrap right. around to the, yeah. earlier in the show, like it, it, it's because we're getting old. But like we said, Jeff says the same thing that Manheim Central has so many guys back. They now have a veteran offensive line, a veteran quarterback. Uh, Weapons in the passing game, you know, four of their offensive linemen returned from last year. Quarterback's back, big wide receiver is back. Um, and their defense, uh, up until the game against Perkyoman Perky Valley last week, had what allowed one touchdown, yeah, I think before that. And that, yeah, who seven, knows, seven points through yeah, three to games to Cumberland Valley, yeah, seven points in their first three games. And that could have been, you know, in garbage time at the end, yeah. So they, they were they were flying around. So Manheim Central is uh, not going to be an easy out. And they're making things very, very difficult for all the teams they're playing. And Wilson is up this week on their their schedule. So hopefully the Bulldogs can rise to the occasion and and uh, make it a, a fun and exciting game at Gursky Stadium this Friday night in West Lawn for a 7 o'clock kickoff with Manheim Central. Again, 13th ever meeting between the two big-time District 3 programs um, outside of... Uh, these two, I think, probably the only other ones that rival them with long-term success, Cumberland Valley, who's hit a little bit of a valley in their success um, ever since really we beat them in the district final in 2016. I think they've mm-hmm. struggled. Um, they've gone through a coaching change. Um, and obviously, Central Dolphin also very strong. Have they gone through two district coaching three. changes since then? I thought it was just one, but I okay. could be incorrect. I feel like the guy that they didn't bring back was it before last year or before the 2019 season mm-hmm. was the, was the gentleman who was coaching them when we beat okay. them. Okay. Okay. I, I see. I thought maybe that was the last year no. of the previous. Game. No, I don't think okay. so. Okay. I think I, I can't recall his name off the top of my head, but coach Oswald is there who had been at Central York. Right. Um, previously, but coach Oswald played at Cumberland Valley. So right, it was right. a, kind of a homecoming for him, but they've been starting to make some noise. So Cumberland Valley is, uh, is, is getting better through as the season goes on. Despite that opening week loss to Manheim Central 35 to 7, Cumberland Valley has rebounded. I believe they've even their record to two and two with two nice wins the last two weeks. But you know, I don't want to be talking about playoffs in week after week four, looking ahead to week five, but soon enough, those district three power ratings are gonna really start to matter. Yeah. yeah. And but we know that it takes the full 10 weeks to establish who the top eight teams will be. And as we've seen in years past, just because you lost a team doesn't mean you're not going to, you're not going to end up in front of them. Right. Um, especially if, if those records are very similar at the end of the year, but yes, eight spots up for grabs in the district three, six, eight playoffs this year. And those games start the first Friday in November, but a lot of regular season football to go yet for the Bulldogs starting this week against Mannheim Central. All right, Justin. I don't you wanna let us know what uh the atmosphere was like at the whiteout last night? Uh it was it was pretty cool. It was it was loud. It was a great game. More importantly, what did Austin think? Uh he, he was he was impressed. Um I didn't know how he'd do. It was not his first Penn State game. It was his first big Penn State game. Um yeah, he he handled it like a champ. Um, I was tired today, and you could 
tell as the day went on. He was a little <laughs> worn down. Um, but, yeah, he handled it really well. Um, it, it was just a cool atmosphere. It's a cool game, a fun game. Um, honestly, I, I was kind of glad that – well, obviously, I was glad we were there. But, like, uh, some of the things that, like, were maybe a little more obvious when you were watching TV weren't quite as obvious when you were there in person. And so that was probably a good thing for my uh, – blood pressure and things like that so um surprised you have a voice to even do this show tonight yeah it i i feel like it sounds a little different today but um you know more gravelly right right was was pretty good was pretty good um i could use some hauls uh but um, (laughs) yeah what's going on with that are they gonna mail them yeah i don't know i don't know i mean coach franklin was working on that right yeah we'll we'll see but uh yeah it it was it was cool It it was just fun it was you know great game um yeah you can't beat it. Like you can't beat it. Like no, I, for sure. Right. So it's a great, great moment. Great experience. It's cool. And like, like one of the things, it was one of those games where I'm like, Sean Clifford's having a really good game. Like, and you're thinking it during the game, and then you see the stats, you're like 28 of 32. That's a great <laughs> wow. game. Wow. Yeah. Great game. Wow. And 12 for 12 in the second half. Um, okay. You can't get any better than no. that. And Jahan so. Dotson, like I thought, um, you know. How one of the writers talked about this, you know, you see his stats in it. I think it was like nine catches for 89 yards or something like that. But one of them a touchdown. They were all big catches. Like they were all key catches at key times. Um, and he made a. Oh, oh, and he completed a pass for like 30 yards. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, um, he made that one guy. He looked like a human joystick. Oh, was yeah. Just stopping on a dime, right. making a guy miss. I saw this was last week. Somebody said, um, he's he's like becoming like a mix of like some of the last few receivers that have come out of uh Penn State you know like, the like he he's becoming like KJ Hamler and Chris Godwin right he's like kind of like a hybrid of like Deshaun KJ and and uh, uh Godwin like just you know and it it's funny because he was kind of like um I know he he had some some interest in basketball, like and I, I Wilson played against him when he was at, at Nazareth. Nazareth, yeah. Um, and then Penn State came onto the scene and offered him, and yeah, that has worked out well. But yeah, it, it was just it was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, you know, during the the post game when they're uh, singing, uh, when they were singing about uh, singing the alma mater, like Grayson was like front and center, like of that of that like what they had framed on the video screen. And I'm like, I'm like there and I'm like, oh, Grayson! like I know him from like 60 rows away. But like, you know, with it. And here's the thing, like after the game, like the student section, like didn't leave. Yeah. Like they didn't storm the field or anything, but like they were just there. Like everybody was there. Everybody so, was like committed to being there. It, it was cool. Back was cool. in my day when the whiteout started. You had to started. walk barefoot up the, uphill to the stadium both directions. See, I was at the first ever whiteout. Yes, you were. I was at the yes, second ever whiteout. That was the one against Ohio State. And so I was then, I believe they did one. In, I think they did one every year close to it. I feel like I would have been there my senior year. Oh, that was against Michigan, against Chad. Yeah. Which we lost. So, yes, um, I was at all three whiteouts. I guess I technically was one and two because I'm pretty sure they lost that first one. Right. And probably was against Ohio State. I would guess. We also did that code blue. There was a, there was the two competing things while I was student code blue and white out. Um, 
but then it really exploded in 2005, my junior year against Ohio State. That which they lead with every time there's a whiteout right. thing. That's the one they picture. You can picture Troy Smith getting hit by getting Tom Bahal. Um, but yeah, so to bring this to to Wilson, besides the, the Chad Henney mention that I just said, and the, the I believe the third whiteout ever featured Chad Henney from Michigan beating Penn State in the fall of 2006. Did you see? Before the game, any of the Wilson guys when you walked in, did you see the players walk in? So I did not see them walk in. We okay. hadn't we hadn't gone back up that way yet. Because um, I was looking for them during the game, but so during right during and to be honest, it was the sidelines are so crowded with the recruits and stuff yesterday. It was really hard to like like pick out people. Um, but it's I too did, bad they were all wearing the same color. So I, I did see, um, I did see uh, Caleb like down on the field. I saw uh, Grayson down on the field. I kept looking for Weller. I couldn't like pick him out, but like he very easy. I'm telling you, it was it was it was crazy madness. Yeah, madness in a good way. Uh, yeah, in all the good way. So, but that's it. I think for us this evening for episode nine of the Bulldog Hour seventh season. Again, Justin and I will be back next Sunday, September 26th, to recap Game Five against Mannheim Central and preview Game Six at Penn Manor as the Bulldogs will be opening play in Section 1 of the Lancaster Lebanon League. And Penn Manor could be a, a sneaky one. As I just yeah. mentioned, they beat Warwick this past week. Yeah. So not sure what we're going to get from the comments, and we got to go to Millersville for that one. And that just means one thing, Justin. Sugar Bowl. Sugar Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, for Justin Raffoff, I'm Joe Mays. Until next time, remember, go, go Bulldogs. Bulldogs. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.